Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, I should say. Let's begin today's Perky Ovis share. We're still in Perik Aleph. We're now on the 15th Mishnah. And so far, we've really been dealing with all the different pairs of rabbis that are part of the Masorah of the early Talmudic period. And we ended last week with the sayings of Shammai. Shammai was one of the dynamic duo that we know as Hillel and Shammai. And they end off this period of pairs of Zugais as we know them, of the pairs of rabbis, one of whom was the president or the head of the Sanhedrin, and one of whom was the deputy, the Sagan of the Sanhedrin, and Hillel and Shammai, two very significant rabbis, and we had various other pairs of rabbis who came before them. But now we're going straight to Rabban Gamliel. That's a little bit puzzling. And the Mepharshim really want to explain to us, want to understand why it is that Rabban Gamliel, who is known uh, in Talmudic literature as Rabban Gamliel Hazokain, as Rabbi Gamliel the Elder, is the next one in line after Hillel and Shammai. So first let's understand who was Rabban Gamliel. Who was he? So Rabban Gamliel was the grandson of Hillel. Hillel had a son known as Shimon. His name was Shimon, Simon. Shimon Benoi Shal Hillel. He was the son of Hillel and he had a son called Gamliel. And um, Gamliel had a son called Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. And he had a son called also Rabban Gamliel, who was also the head of the Sanhedrin. In fact, all the way through until the period of Rebbe, that is the author of the Mishnais, in fact, the author of the Mishnais that we're learning here in Pirkei Avos, all the heads of the Sanhedrin, and there was some interruption in the, uh, in the particular uh, leadership period of Rabban Gamliel, the grandson of the one we're talking about today, when he got into a dispute with Rabbi Yehoshua, and he was replaced briefly by Rabbi Loza ben Azariah. Then he shared the leadership of the Sanhedrin with Rabbi Loza ben Azariah. But uh, even that being the case, the, uh, the dynastic leadership of the Sanhedrin from the time of Hillel, um, with the interruption, as we know, of Shammai that I talked about last week, was all descendants of Hillel. And he was reputed to be the uh, descendant of David HaMelech, and somehow there was this correlation between the leadership of Hillel's family and the leadership of the Davidic monarchic royal dynasty. And as you know, that until the time of the late Second Temple period, for uh, 150 years or whatever it was, there had been this period of time when the leadership of the Jewish nation in terms of who it was that determined its future and indeed its present, were the Hasmoneans, the Hashmonaim. The Hashmonaim, even though they weren't rabbinic leaders, they were considered the uh, secular leaders and they were often the Kohanim. They were the leaders of the, uh, of the priestly class that uh, conducted the affairs of the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash was destroyed in the year 70. We've just had Tisha B'Av when we commemorated the destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash, of course, and the first one. And after that time, the priestly class, even though they had a nominal role 
within the Jewish nation. They didn't have a leadership role. They were considered uh, special in terms of their priestly descent, but they had no particular claim to leadership. And the leadership of the Jewish nation at that time passed to the head of the rabbinic establishment, and particular the family of Hillel. And Hillel's family were considered to be descendants of King David. And as a result, as it were, leadership went back to the Davidic dynasty and the leadership of the Jewish nation somehow, even though it wasn't officially declared, was reclaimed by the tribe of Judah from the tribe of Levi. Now, Rabban Gamliel, he was a grandson of Hillel. So what happened to his father? His father's not quoted in the Mishnah. That means Shimon, the son of Hillel, is not quoted in the Mishnah, even though he was certainly a Talmud of his father and he was a contemporary of Shammai, he is not quoted in the Mishnah here in Pirkei Avot. And the reason for that, that the commentaries give, is that the Pirkei Avot is a record of our religious heritage. It's not a history book. That means it records what we refer to as the Masorah. The Masorah is the traditional Judaism that was passed down from one generation to the next. And it's not necessarily true that it has to pass from one generation to exactly the next generation. It could be that it skips a generation. As long as the person who received the material that he has to pass on to his successor was received from a previous generation. Rabban Gamliel Hazokein uh, received directly from Hillel, his grandfather, all the material that he presented as halachic material, and I assure you that not only halachic material, but all kinds of other material in terms of the Jewish religious Masorah, the heritage of the Jewish people. And therefore, we don't need to necessarily mention his father. And the, and the Mishnah is making a point, and don't forget the author of the Mishnah is a descendant of Rabban Gamliel, Hazokein, and therefore he's not doing this out of disrespect to Shimon, the son of Hillel. He's making a specific point that it's not just about a dynasty, and it's not just about uh, inheriting the rights of leadership. It's not a history book. We are delivering the uh, progression of Jewish Masorah from generation to generation. And from the generation of Hillel and Shammai, the next one in line in terms of the Masorah is Rabban Gamliel Hazokein. That's why he is mentioned. Now he died in around the year 58 or 60 of the Common Era. That means before the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. And in fact, his successor was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, not immediately his son, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel was clearly a very great rabbi, but Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai took over. He was a Talmud of Rabban Gamliel, and we're going to talk more about him. But I just want to tell you that Rabban Gamliel was an extraordinary individual because even in the midst of the great suffering and difficulties of that um, late Second Temple period, when things were really um, going haywire, things were going wrong, things were beginning to be very chaotic for the Jewish nation in terms of what was going on between the Romans and the Jews in Judea and in terms of the Roman Empire and its attitude towards Jews in general, but particularly in Judea, uh, he presided over Jewish law and uh, Jewish religious practice at that time, and he is considered to be a towering figure of Talmudic literature, Rabban Gamliel. Let's have a look what it says 
here in the in the Perush, Rabon Gamliel. Uh, so it says, Ad Aton Nizkru Hazugai Shikiblu Zemizeh. Until now, the Mishnah recalled the pairs that received from one uh, and uh, from one a generation to the next, they received it from each other. Zugois, there were the pairs. And for each pair, one of them was considered the president, the leader, the prince of the generation. The other one was considered to be the head of the Beisdin, was the deputy. From Hillel onwards, it now went over to his descendants. Hillel's descendants became the leading rabbinic figures um, for at least a couple of hundred years. Ben Achaben, son after son. The Zer Rabban Gamliel, who Ben Reb Shimon ben Hillel. And this Rabban Gamliel was the son of Shimon, the son of Hillel. So that's who Rabban Gamliel was. Now let's see what he said. Rabban Gamliel, Hoya Oimer. Asei Lecho Rav. Asei l'chorav can be translated as follows. Find yourself, make yourself uh, somebody who will be considered your rabbinic mentor. Make sure that you have somebody in your life who is your rabbinic mentor. But there's a context to it. Listen carefully to what the context is. So why is it that in this particular instance it says, Rabban Gamliel, Hoya Oimer? Why is it used this particular phraseology when referencing what it is that was said in, um, in Rabban Gamliel's name? Why doesn't it say that he received it from previous generations? It doesn't say that he received from the previous generations and then said whatever it is he said. It simply says that he said something. So, did he not receive from Shammai and Hillel? Didn't he receive teachings about Jewish heritage and Jewish Masorah from his father Shimon Benoi Shal Hillel? Why isn't, uh, why isn't this same language used that he received Kibel um, from his Rebus, from his teachers? And the answer is, says the Rashbats, very, very simple. Because this is an absolutely obvious one, we don't need to say that he received it from a previous generation. When something is this obvious and this apparent, then you don't need to say, well, I learnt it from somebody else, because it's self-evident. The importance of acknowledging the self-evidence of logic and rational thought is something that transcends any kind of receiving it from a previous generation. Rabban Gamliel is the first one here in the Mishnahis to teach us but that when things are self-evident in and of themselves, they are logical. We don't need to have received them from a previous generation. They make sense in and of themselves. And that's what the Rashbats explains is the reason for the fact that it says Rabban Gamliel, Hoya Oimeh, doesn't say that he was Kibel Mehilel Vishamai. And it says as follows in the Tiferes Yisrael, Anybody who leaves a son, a child, after him, who's like him in, the, let's say, a rabbi, there's a great rabbi, and he has a son who's also a great rabbi, a great teacher, very knowledgeable, and he leaves and he's left over after his father's passed away. It's as if his father didn't pass away. Where is that found? It's in Baba Basra, Kuftes Zayin, Omed Aleph. 
That's what the Gemara says. And continues the Teferis Yisrael of Im Kain, Mi Shelamid Im Oviv. If somebody learns and studies with their father, Hare Oviv Choshuv Kechai, it's as if their father is still alive. You don't need to write that this child received from their father because it's self-evident that they received it from their father because they are as great as their father, which means that their father is still alive. It doesn't need to say that because the concept of having received from a previous generation means that that previous generation is no longer there, is no longer extant. What is it that Rabban Gamliel is teaching us? Who was his Rebbe? His Rebbe was Shimon, the son of Hillel. Now, his father died. He survived his father by many years. That being the case, it should have said that he was Kibel me Shimon Benoishel Hillel. Why doesn't it say it? Because everything he learned, and this is what he's teaching you by Aseilachorav, is Aseilachorav. Make yourself a Rebbe. My father, I learned everything from him. And therefore, I don't need to say that I learned everything from him because the mere fact that I exist with the knowledge that my father gave me and I perpetuate that knowledge, I have sustained it through the knowledge that I have and that I continue to teach means that I don't need to say that I was kibel it me him. I didn't, I didn't receive it from him. I am him. I am the previous generation. That is the most powerful form of Masura that can possibly exist, says the Tiferet Yisrael. The fact that I am, as it were, emanating from my father and continue with what my father did means that I am my father. And that's what it means, by making whoever it is into your Rebbe, you now become that Rebbe when you perpetuate the teachings that you learnt from him. Continues the parish as follows. O Medrash Shmuel, what does the Medrash Shmuel say? Mishamai v'hilel rov Israel. What happened as a result of Shammai and Hillel existing in Klal Yisrael as the great Talmudic leaders of their generation? Do you know what they did? And by the way, it may not necessarily be a bad thing, but they create disputes and debates in halachic material among the Jewish nation. There was no unanimity with regard to what the halacha would be. Shammai said this, and Hillel said that. And there was always a difference of opinion, always but very regularly, a difference of opinion between Shammai and Hillel. What happened after Hillel and Shammai died? There was still Shammai and Hillel because there was a school of thought that was known as Hillel. It's called Base Hillel. And there was a school of thought called Shammai, known as Base Shammai. And on hundreds of occasions in Talmudic literature, we, we find that there is a dispute, a debate in how to paskin the halacha. How do we decide uh, in a particular halachic situation what it is that should be done? We see that there is a debate between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. Now, it happens to be that we paskin like, always like Beis Hillel. We paskin like Hillel. That is the halacha. But that doesn't mean that the debate doesn't exist. What is the net result of that difference of opinion between the Shammai and the Hillel and the Beis Shammai and the Beis Hillel? So, the Midrash Shmuel says, Venasis kishte toiris. As a result of that, it's as if there are two separate, as it were, Torahs. 
there's two separate um, bodies of Jewish law. In which case, you can't say that there's somebody who is the recipient of a Masorah. Why can't you say that? Because in order for there to be a Masorah, that Masorah has to be unanimous. It has to be one-fold, not two-fold or three-fold or five-fold. There has to be one accepted view as to what the Masorah is. The moment there are multiple Torahs, that means there's multiple Masoras, in which case Rabban Gamliel cannot claim to have received a Masorah from one source. It's not possible to claim that he, um, that he was a Kibel, he was a Makabel in terms of the Masorah. That's what, that's what the Medrash Small says, because as it was until now, until the time of Shammai and Hillel no longer existed because of, because of the differences of opinion between them. However, the Tosfus Yomtov is not very happy with this interpretation of the Medrash Shmuel. Not satisfied at all that this is the reason why Rabban Gamliel is quoted on his own. Because there's no doubt that even if there were points of disagreement between Shammai and Hillel and Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, nevertheless, in the vast majority of Torah, there was only agreement. There was only unanimity. And therefore, to suggest that there's now two separate Torahs, if you, if you look at this as a Venn diagram, the, the amount of those two circles that actually don't overlap is so minuscule and so insignificant that it's not possible to suggest that Rabban Gamliel did not receive the Masorah from his Rebbe's Shammai and Hillel and therefore it is not correct to say that that's the reason why the Mishnah doesn't refer to him as a Kibel. Now, what does it, uh, what do we, what does Rashi say? Divrei Rabban Gamliel Khan and he says that the words here of Rabbi Gamliel are the same as that which we learnt earlier. That actually what Rabbi Gamliel is saying is very, very simple. He is saying that what we need to do is we need to create um, for ourselves somebody who is our rabbinic mentor, someone who is our teacher. Someone who can deliver to us the Torah of previous generations in a pure, unadulterated form so that we can receive it from them. We can ruminate with it and over it, and then we can deliver it to the next generation. That we become conduits from a previous generation for the next generation. That is Rashi's interpretation. But interestingly enough, many other commentaries see this concept of Asei L'Chorav quite differently. What do they say? They say as follows, If you are a person who's a rabbi, a rabbinic leader, and you have a din Torah, some type of Torah situation that you are uncertain about, or that is uncertain, that comes before you, and you're not quite sure how to rule in that particular situation, whatever it is that comes before you, you know what you should do? You should always have a rabbi with whom you can confer in order to ask their advice so that they should know what it is that needs to be done in that particular situation. Don't always trust your own instincts and don't just rely on yourself. You're not all knowledgeable. You're not omnipotent in the halacha. 
you need to consult with others to make sure that that which you say is correct. And in order to do so, says Rabban Gamliel, doesn't matter how great you are and how wonderful you are and how wise you are and, and what high IQ you have. Find a Rav. Now, I'm, I'm going to put it to you slightly differently. You know that, um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm more or less intelligent than my accountant. You know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure he's a highly intelligent individual. But even if he wasn't, even if one's accountant isn't a person with the highest IQ, to whom one would go with uh, matters of uh, great import with reference to economics or with reference to politics or with reference to all kinds of other matters. When it comes to doing your tax returns, you know that your accountant knows much more than you. You know why? Because your accountant does that day after day after day. That is the job of your accountant to take care of your tax returns. Similarly, when it comes to points of law, it could be that you approach your lawyer and that you are much better informed and better educated in your lawyer in a whole range of subjects and situations. However, when it comes to points of law, I can assure you that your lawyer knows much more than you. Says Rabon Gamliel, I'm just giving you two examples, I could give you multiple others. Says Rabon Gamliel, when it comes to a situation where there are people who know more than you, say lecha rav. Don't imagine that just because you're intelligent and knowledgeable in one area, in one sphere, that suddenly you know everything about every other sphere and you can make judgments and decisions based on your knowledge in something that's completely unrelated. Your intelligence, never mistake your intelligence for experience or wisdom. says Gamliel. And this was the greatest rabbi of his time, cited on his own, he, though he was without peer. He was without colleagues who could challenge him. He was Rabban Gamliel Hazokain, the greatest rabbi of his generation. And nevertheless, find yourself somebody who can advise you in any given situation that you can make sure that what you're doing is completely correct. Go to an expert. Go to somebody who has more knowledge than you in that particular matter or subject so that when you render a decision and you say something, you're going to make sure to say the correct thing and not to let the person in front of you down. And that is key. You know, as a rabbi, people come to me often for advice and they ask me all kinds of questions. And I always preface my answer by saying, you should know that I'm about to answer you, but you need to understand and realize that the answer I'm giving you is on the basis that I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an economist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not any of the experts that perhaps need to be consulted in relation to all the subjects that they are experts on. My advice to you is given on the basis that I studied rabbinics, I studied in yeshiva and I have a certain amount of experience as being a rabbi for some time. But basically, you need, if, it, if the answer to your question requires an ex expert, Go to that expert. And that's what Rabban Gamliel is saying. Make sure that whenever you are going to render a decision about any particular matter, you're going to do so on the basis that you've been best informed about the matter at hand. And I'll end with this story. Some years ago, my uncle, Diane Dunner, came to Los Angeles and we davened together. And standing next to me was a good friend of mine, 
and he happens to be an eye surgeon. And I introduced him to my uncle. I said to him, I sit next to this man every day in shul. It was before I joined Young Israel of North Beverly Hills. And this man happens to be an eye surgeon. Oh, he said, an eye surgeon? Tell me, how does the eye work? And they engaged in a whole discussion, about 15 minutes, about the function of the eye how the eye works and what what he does as an eye surgeon and how sight works and how you know the images in front of a human being when they see it how that image is transported transferred to the brain via the eye and afterwards i said to my uncle are you that interested in eyes are you are you interested in in knowing more about eyes he said not really i'm not that interested in eyes but i'm interested to know as much as I can about every subject, so that if I'm ever asked a shyla about a particular area, including eyes, that I am going to have been informed by an expert in that particular field. That is what's important. He made that day, he made a new rav for himself, and that was the eye surgeon that was sitting next to me in shul. Asay l'chorav, as great as you are, make sure that you always have somebody who's a bigger expert than you in, in any particular field. Make sure that that person is your mentor, that they can guide you and advise you in any given situation. We'll leave it here for today and we'll continue with this Mishnah next time.